Welcome to the FBCLB podcast, where you'll find the preaching of Dave Delaney, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Long Beach. Thanks for listening. Take your Bibles and go with me to the book of Mark, Mark chapter number 14 this morning, Mark chapter 14. If you don't have your Bible with you, there should be one perhaps in the back of the seat in front of you. Maybe in the back of the seat behind you, you'll find a copy of God's Word. We would encourage you to pick up that copy and follow along with us. And to get there, you're going to look across the top of the page for the, for the word Mark. So it's the book of Mark. It's in chapter number 14 this morning, Mark chapter 14. And find your place here in verse number 32. Mark chapter 14 and verse number 32. That's the small number. Big number 14, small number 32. And we're going to read down to verse number 42, Mark 14, 32 to 42. If you found your place and if you're willing and able, let's stand together out of respect for the reading of God's word. Mark 14, verse 32 down to verse 42. We are in the final moments here of the book of Mark, the final moments of Jesus' life. Not long from here, not, not, not many more verses and not much more time and Jesus will be crucified on the cross. And Jesus is headed into, as you'll notice in verse 32, Gethsemane, which is that final garden. And Jesus here is going to do several things. He's going to agonize as he realizes the plan of God the Father for him. The Bible says that Jesus has made sin for us. This is when it happens right here. This perfect submission from Jesus here. We'll talk about his agony, his suffering in the garden next week. But for this week, what I want to simply point out is the invitation that he makes to the disciples, but not only to the disciples, but the invitation he makes to you and to me. The invitation to pray with him. Look at verse 32 of Mark 14. The Bible reads, And they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he saith unto his disciples, Sit ye here while I shall pray. And he taketh with him Peter and James and John. And began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy. And he saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. And he went forward a little and he fell on the ground. And he prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father... All things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. And he cometh, and he findeth them sleeping. And he saith unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldst not thou watch one hour? Watch ye and pray. Lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. 
And again, he went away and prayed and spake the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again. For their eyes were heavy. And neither wist they what to answer him. And he cometh a third time. And he saith unto them, Sleep on now, take your rest. It is enough, the hour is come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. So rise up and let us go. Lo, he that betrayeth me is at hand. I want to make kind of a singular point at the introduction and then a simple challenge. And the points in the sermon will be for the challenge. Here's the simple point for the introduction. If you get nothing else, get this. You will never make the right choices in this life without prayer. You will never make the right choices in this life without prayer. And Jesus has made this very clear. Look what he says. He says in verse 38, watch ye and pray. Why? For what reason? Lest ye enter into temptation. You will never make the right choices in this life without prayer. And so here's the challenge. Here's the points in the sermon. The challenge is this. I'm asking you to make a commitment this morning to pray. Now, some in the room, you, you pray. You pray consistently. You pray regularly. Maybe you aren't prepared to say, as the Apostle Paul said, I pray always. I'm always praying. I'm never doing anything other than praying. Maybe you aren't prepared to say that, but at least this morning, for some of us in the room, I'm asking you to make the commitment. Will you spend five minutes a day in prayer? You don't do anything else before you pray. Will you make the commitment to spend five minutes a day in prayer? Others, you five minutes is you're already doing that. So maybe for you, the commitment needs to be, I'm going to spend 10 minutes a day in prayer. Maybe for others, I'm going to spend an hour every week in prayer. This is what Jesus is asking Peter, James, and John. Pray with me for an hour. Pray with me for an hour. So maybe for you, the commitment this morning will be, I'm going to pray an hour a week. I'm going to pray an hour a week. I'm going to pray 10 minutes a day. I'm going to pray five minutes a day. But I'm asking every person before we leave this room in just a few short moments, I'm asking you to make that commitment. I am committing myself to pray, to pray every day. Why? Because I will not make the right choices if I don't pray. Our Heavenly Father, I pray that you would use your word in our lives. Teach us the importance of prayer. May it not just be religious talk but may it be a reality of the relationship that we have with you that we pray that we pray without ceasing and in Jesus name we pray and all the church said together amen thank you for standing you may be seated 
When you talk about prayer, it's always a very difficult conversation to have, and here's why. Because no matter where you are in your prayer life, no matter how much time you actually pray, whether you spend a few minutes a day, a few minutes a week, a couple hours a week, no matter where you are in your prayer journey, you can always feel as if you could do more. How many of you prepared this morning to acknowledge, you know what, you know what, Pastor, I will at least admit I could pray more than I do pray. Let me see, slip your hand up, slip your hand up, okay, it's, it's most everyone in the room, which I'm assuming no one in the room thinks, hey, you know what, I got this prayer thing down. <laughs> I got that whole praying without ceasing thing, check that box, I'm doing that everywhere I go. Whenever I get mad, I don't, I don't just respond with a hot temper. No, 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 I pray. Whenever I have to make a decision for my kids, I don't just, I don't just you know, make the decision willy-nilly. I pray. I, I'm just assuming none of us in the room feel like we're clicking on all cylinders as it relates to our prayer life. So when you talk about prayer, immediately the temptation is to go, ah, Man, how did he know I overslept this week when it was my devotion time? Ah, who told him? I bet it was my wife. I bet she told him I hit the snooze button when I said I was going to get up and pray. And I can assure you this, she did not tell me that, okay? I have no insider information onto what you did or didn't do last week with your prayer life. I just know my own heart. I know myself. And when it comes to the conversation of prayer, it's always easy to know, yes, I should be praying. Yes, I should commit myself to pray. And I really want to pray more than I do. I just get busy sometimes. And prayer doesn't become the reality that I live with. And one of the reasons why we can be tempted to think that, especially if you grew up in church, is because many of us assume that prayer is boring. It's boring. When you're praying, what's happening? When you're praying, who's working? When you're praying, what's being checked on the to-do list? We don't want to be people of word only. We want to be people of action. We want to be people of results. We want to be people who make change. We want to be people who it can be said of us that while we were there, something different happened as a result of our energy, of our effort, of our work. Many times we can convince ourselves that while we're praying, it's boring, it's not working. Very few times in my whole entire life have I ever got on my knees, said, Father, I pray that you'd help my children. They're being rebellious and disobedient. And so help them to realize what they're doing. Got up, walked in the other room and found my kids who had stopped fighting and immediately started picking up their Legos. You ever had that experience? Probably not. You know, because why? Because they're human beings in the end. They have, sin, they have sinful spirit, just like I do. They have a sinful nature, just like you and I do. And so we can be tempted to think, well, either I can go into the room and get onto my kids and discipline them and set them straight and make them obey, 
Or I can go in there and pray and that doesn't feel as effective as this. This going in the room and just lecturing my children and making them obey feels far more effective than just praying. In fact, that's how we think of it. We think it's, it's just praying in the end. Praying is hard work. Praying is hard work because praying is putting ourselves in a position of dependency. No one likes to feel dependent. No one likes to feel as if they need someone else to do something for them. In fact, we kind of pride ourselves on independence. I don't need nobody telling me what to do. We pride ourselves on thinking we can do it. We're strong enough. We're wise enough. We're smart enough. We're awesome enough. We're cool enough. We're rich enough. We're successful enough. We don't need anybody else helping us. So prayer is hard because prayer is maintaining a position of dependence. Prayer is maintaining a attitude or a spirit, a disposition that says, if God doesn't, then it won't. If God doesn't, then it won't. So we find ourselves then exhausted. And this is where many of you find yourselves this morning. You find yourself exhausted, so tired of parenting because it's the same conversation over and over and over and you're pulling your hair out and you're going, ah, oh, why don't my kids listen? Why won't they obey? Because they take after their father, that's why. Oh, why can't I just fix this thing at work? Why can't I just solve this problem at the office? Why can't I just take care of this thing in this relationship? And you're finding yourself this morning frustrated and weary. And you're going, I tried the whole Jesus thing. I tried the whole church thing. But it's not working for me. And what you mean to say when you say that is, I tried it my own way and my own strength with my own abilities and it's not enough. Can, can, I, just, can I just help like just disarm parents for a second here? If you try to raise your kid in your own abilities, look here, if you try to raise your family in your own ability, it will not be enough. You can't. The Bible says children are a heritage from the Lord. Literally, they are a gift from God to you. When's the last time you saw your children as a gift? Most parents don't see their children as a gift. They see their children as a headache, a problem, an annoyance. Not a gift. These kids are gift. From who? From God. From him. And so whatever situation I'm facing with them, I ought to be taking 
to him. Whatever situation I'm facing with them, I ought to be taking that to him. A conversation about prayer is hard for a variety of reasons. Here's a few of them. But this is what I want you to understand. You can be totally confident that when you pray, God hears. I I, want to help you understand something. There's, There's no magical formula when it comes to prayer. There's no magical words that you have to use. Some people think that when they pray, they have to you know, speak in a particular way. You do not have to speak in a particular You just speak the way that you normally speak. God hears. God listens. God understands. God invites us to pray. God says to you over and over, ask me. Seek me. If I'm in the, if I'm in the house, come knock on the door and bother me. I want to have a relationship with you. You think of how different God is as a perfect, loving, heavenly father. Most of the time, I am not telling my children, please ask, seek me. If I'm in my room, come and knock on the door and wake me up. I'll be happy to talk to you. No, I'm telling my children, don't ask me, go ask somebody else. I'm telling my children, don't seek me. Go ask your mother. That's what I'm saying. I'm telling my children, don't knock on my door. Leave me alone. If the door is closed, do not come in. I'm sleeping. And God is so different than we are. He gives us the invitation to pray. And yet, oftentimes, we fail to do so. So look at it. Here's what he says to Peter, James, and John. He says, come with me a little farther. And I want you to pray. Look at verse 34. My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. So tarry ye here and watch. Literally the word watch is not sit there with your binoculars and stay on guard. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, come with me a little farther. He's being very transparent about what he's about to do. He's opening himself up to these three who, according to the gospel, this this inner three, these three that he had a different kind of relationship with than he had with anyone else. Jesus loves the whole world. The Bible says he dies for the whole world. The Bible then teaches us that there were 120 disciples who followed Jesus in his earthly ministry. Of this 120, there were 70 who were sent out to, to evangelize, to take the message of the Messiah around. Of that 70, there were 12 who are called apostles. It was given to them specific gifting for a specific time of which that has ceased. There are no, there are no apostles today of which that has ceased, it ended with these. And of the 12 apostles, one is Judas, who's a betrayer. And then of the 12, there's three. There's Peter, there's James, and there's John. And Peter, James, and John, they go farther with Jesus than anybody else goes. They get invited into something with Jesus that no one else gets invited into. And Jesus invites them here. And by way of inviting them, he's inviting us. He's saying, come with me, watch. Let me show you what I'm about to do. Let me be vulnerable and transparent and open and honest about the sorrow, the agony, the suffering. Look how heavy this is on me. Pray with me for an hour. Three things. So why should we pray? Three things. First, because it is a tremendous privilege to pray with Jesus. 
Because it is a tremendous privilege to pray with Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus right now is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That after Jesus was crucified, the Bible says he rose from the grave three days later, physically walked out of the tomb. He performed ministries for 40 days while he was here on this earth. He interacted with the disciples. He ate, he talked, he explained. And then the Bible says that Jesus ascended up to heaven, that he stepped onto a cloud and he took it all the way to the throne of God. And then he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, where the Bible then says that him and the Father that Jesus forever maketh intercession for us. That word intercession, you know what that word means? Prayer. Jesus forever prays for us to God his Father. One pastor said it best, Jesus and God are in a conversation right now. Jesus and the Father are in a conversation right now and you know what they're talking about? They're talking about you. You, specifically. They're talking about you, individually. And Jesus is inviting, when, we, when Jesus says, pray with me, he's inviting us into this great privilege that while we pray, while we are alone in our closet, on our knees, in front of the couch, while we are praying alone, we are not alone. Why? Because Jesus is praying the same time we are. And when you pray, you are actually praying with Christ. When you approach the throne of grace, you are approaching the throne of grace with Christ. In fact, that's the only reason you can't approach the throne. The only reason you can come to the throne room of God is because of the grace given to us through Christ. What a tremendous privilege it is to pray. Not just, why should we pray? Not just because it's a privilege, but second, because it's completely necessary. Verse 38, we highlighted it already. Watch ye and pray lest ye enter into temptation. John Rice said it like this a few decades ago. Every failure is a prayer failure. Every failure is a prayer failure. Every mistake, a prayer mistake. It's completely necessary that if we do not pray, we will enter into temptation. This is what he says. Look at the verse. Watch ye and pray lest. The word lest literally is or else. Watch and pray or else this is what will happen. What will happen? We will not simply be tempted. No, no, we will. What's the word? Enter into temptation. You're not just be tempted. You will enter into the temptation. So the reason why there was the failure, according to this verse, is because we failed to pray. The spirit, it truly is willing, but the flesh, the flesh is so weak. 
The flesh is so weak. Remember the context of this? Remember last week what Peter had said to Jesus? Last week Peter said, hey, listen, everybody else may abandon you. Everybody else may desert you, but not me. They're all failures, but I won't be a failure. I can see how they will all mess up, but I will not mess up. And Jesus goes, Peter, you don't even understand your own self. You have no spiritual self-awareness. Not only will you forsake just like they will forsake, you will go even farther in that you will deny. And Peter, oh, no, 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 no. Not only will I not deny you, but I'll die for you. Oh, and Jesus is saying now to Peter, listen, Peter, your spirit, it is willing. This is... Peter's expression of devotion isn't wrong. But Peter's expression of devotion simply, it simply shows us how many times, just like the Apostle Peter, we lack spiritual self-awareness. No, 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 not me. Not only will I not deny you, I will die with you. They'll run, I'll die with you. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 Peter, Pray, pray that you do not enter into temptation because without prayer, you will certainly enter into temptation. Peter, you're so willing in your spirit. You talk a good talk, but the flesh is weak. You do not walk the walk of which you talk. Watch and pray lest you enter. It's completely necessary for you, for me, for us, that if we are going to navigate this world and all of its lust and sin and pitfalls, it is necessary for us to learn to pray. You want to overcome that addiction? Pray. You want to be done looking at pornography? Pray. You want to put off all of those hateful thoughts? Pray. Pray so that what? So that you will not enter into temptation. Every failure, a prayer failure. Why pray? Because it's a tremendous privilege, because it's completely necessary. You cannot navigate this world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. You cannot navigate this world without prayer. It's a tremendous privilege. It's completely necessary. Look at the third thought. Why, why, why pray? Because it's a passing opportunity. Look, look, here's what I mean. Watch this. Look at verse 41. So Jesus says, pray. They say, we can't. We're asleep. They say, Jesus, come to them again. Pray. They, they can't. They're asleep. Jesus, come to them again. Sleep on. Sleep on now, take your rest. It's enough, the hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise up and let us go, because he that betrayeth me is at hand. And immediately, verse 43, while he spake, cometh Judas, one of the twelve, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priest and from the scribes and from the elders. In other words, the opportunity to pass, the opportunity to pray passed. The opportunity to pray passed. Jesus literally says to the disciples, I asked you to pray with me, 
I asked you to agonize with me. I asked you to intercede with me. Look here. But you slept through the experience. And now Judas is on his way. It's a passing opportunity. You know, there are some things that you come to in this life that you will never come to again. There are some situations that you face in this life that you will never face again. They're, they're passing. They're here one time. They're here for one season. It's an opportunity. And those opportunities to pray, they come, they go. And 10 years from now, in 10 years from now, what will you wish you had taken five minutes to pray for? In 10 years from now, what will you have wished you would have taken time to pray for? An hour a week, five minutes a day, You have the opportunity right now to pray for your kids. Are you praying for them? You have the opportunity right now to pray for your family. Are you praying for them? You have the opportunity right now to pray for your spouse. Are you praying for them? In 10 years from now, what will you wish? Man, I wish I'd have prayed for that. I wish I'd have prayed for that. It's a, it's a passing opportunity. A few weeks ago, we had a young man in our church who had a very serious procedure that was up and coming. Sunday evening, we took the time to lay hands on him, to pray for him. I can happily report to you today, the young man, surgery was success. Success. We're thankful for doctors. We're thankful for medical advancements. We're thankful for nurses. We're thankful for medical technologies. But you know who really did the work? God. The glory goes to God. The thanks goes to the doctor. But the glory goes to God. And you know what we got to do as a church? We got to pray for that. We got to enter into what God was going to do. And we got to be a part of it. By way of what? By way of prayer. By way of prayer. It's a passing opportunity. What do you have the opportunity to pray for today that perhaps you will not have the opportunity to pray for tomorrow? Why pray? Because it's a tremendous privilege, because it's completely necessary, because it's a passing opportunity. Let's, let's answer a, que a second question. When should we pray? When should we pray? Well, according to the Bible, Jesus prayed when things were going well. You remember Jesus is standing, he's preaching, he's doing miracles, he's teaching, the crowds are listening, people are saying about Jesus, no man spoke like, like, like this man speaks, no man teaches like this man teaches. 
There's nobody like this guy. Let's go get all of our friends. Let's get them all down here. And what does Jesus do when this happens? Jesus gets on the boat. He pushes off a little bit. He retreats to the mountain. Why? Because he wants to, he wants to pray. So things are going well. What is Jesus doing? He's praying. When should you pray? When things are going well. When things are going good. Kids are healthy. Marriage is strong. Everyone's encouraged. Everything's good at the office. Everything's good with the boss. When things are going well, you should pray. When you get the promotion, you should pray. When things are going well, what should you do? Pray. You should pray when things are going well. You should pray, second, when things are not going well. You should go, oh, well, things are going terrible. My kids are horrible. My husband, my wife, we keep fighting. I have these problems at the office. Everything's going wrong and crazy in our culture. Ah, just what's the use? Throw in the towel. No, no, no. You should pray when things are going well. You should pray when things are going not well. Take your cares, your problems, your struggles. Take them to the Lord because he cares for you. I told you this before about my wife. My wife is great at praying for little things. I kind of enjoy praying for the big things. Help missions conference. Help this church. Help this family. Help this event. Father, help these big things. Help us see souls saved across the globe. I don't like to pray for a big thing. Amanda, she loves praying for small things. Father, help the Amazon delivery package to show up on time for the birthday party. Help the boys to get all good traffic all the way to college. Help Elena, she's driving to school. Help her to get only green lights. She loves praying for the small things. My boys are away at college. They call, they say, hey, dad, is mom there? I go, yeah, she's right here. What? What's up? They go, oh, we, we got something we want her to pray for. Hello, I'm a pastor. It's like what I do. It's like my profession, okay? I'm pretty good at it. No, 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 no. Mom prays for the small stuff. You should pray when things are going well. You should pray when things are not going well. Jesus prays when things are well. Jesus prays when things are not well. And Jesus prays without ceasing. Jesus prays without ceasing. It's an interesting story in Mark chapter 1. You'll have to think way back in your mind to when we began the study in the book of Mark. And Jesus is there. He's healed some people. The next morning there's this huge crowd who's gathered outside of where Jesus is staying. And everyone's looking for Jesus, but no one can find him. Finally, they locate where he is. They come up. They say, hey, Jesus, there's a huge crowd outside. Everybody's looking for you. I, I, I love, the, I love the, the moment Jesus says, I'm praying. Tell him to wait. I'm praying. This would be like 
Someone coming to the church, the crowd, the auditorium, filling up, which for most of you, that would be about 10.15. Just so you know, we don't start at 10.15. We start at 10. 10 o'clock on the dot. But imagine the room's full, it's 10.15, and everybody's going, where's the preacher? I don't know. Wait, wait, I haven't seen him this morning. Where'd he go? Somebody find him. It's time for the sermon. You make your way to my office, open the door. There I am. Hey, Dave, it's, it's, time, to, it's time to preach. Not now. I'm praying. Uh, I'm, am I, we're going to sing one more song. That's all we're giving you. You get one more song, and then we're all going to lunch if you don't show up. And Jesus says, no, I have something else to do right now. What's he doing? He's praying. Many of us think ourselves too busy to pray. Too busy to pray. Martin Luther says, you're not too busy to pray. You are too busy to not pray. You're not too busy to pray. You are too busy to not pray. Third question, let's ask ourselves this morning. Why do we struggle to pray? Why do we struggle to pray? Really, there's two reasons here. First, because we do not have the right priorities. And second, because we do not have the right awareness. We do not have the right priorities. We do not have the right awareness. I'll, I'll, I'll illustrate it just in one story from the Gospels. Just one story. You'll remember when the disciples were in the boat and Jesus says, let's set a sail. Let's go across to the other side. The disciples get in the boat. They start sailing across the sea. As soon as they set sail, in comes a storm. You remember the story? The disciples, what are they doing on the boat? They're agonizing. They're terrified. They're crying out. They're yelling for help. Ah! They're agonizing while Jesus did what? Slept. It's interesting, isn't it? Here in Gethsemane, what's happening? Jesus is agonizing and the disciples are what? Sleeping. Some of you are doing that right now. This is not a sleep on moment. It's a wake up moment. So on the boat, when the circumstances were bad, the disciples agonized. Jesus slept. In the garden, when Jesus is about to atone for the sin of the world, Jesus agonizes and the disciples Sleep. Isn't that just like us? To sleep while the things of eternity hang in the balance? And to, and to freak out because of the storms that we have in this world? Isn't it just like us to be more worried about our circumstances, the condition of this world, 
the new scandal that's in the news, the declining condition of our nation, the anxiety or stress of daily life. Isn't it just like us to be like the disciples in the boat who think that all of these circumstances mean the sky is falling as if God is not actually in control? As if sin will not be judged? As if justice will not prevail? As if the church will not endure? As if the Spirit of God is not ever present? As if our hopes were pinned to what happens here in our bodies, in this life. We hang so much on here and now. And the Gospels and the Word of God call us to say, no, 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 no. Life is not about what happens here and now. This is not all there is. This life, it's a vapor. It appears for a little while and then it vanisheth away. Do not live for here and now. Live for eternity. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on the earth. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Do not think that life is reduced to whatever circumstance you find yourself in. Remind yourself, God is in control. His spirit is ever present. His purpose marches on. The gospel is good news. And it will avail to the good news that it offers to you and to me. Prayer is... A vital weapon for setting the right priorities. Prayer is a vital weapon for setting the right priorities. And Jesus has the right priorities. Disciples, you think the sky is falling? This is nothing. God's in control. Just sleep. And Jesus has the right priorities when it comes to redeeming sinners. And when it comes to redeeming sinners, look here, this is the meat of this. We're going to get to this next week, but this is the meat of what's being taught here by Mark in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus brings all of his energy to bear at that moment in the garden. And Jesus is taking off the jacket. Jesus is rolling up the sleeves. And Jesus is saying, this is not just circumstances at play here. This is eternity, redemption, God's plan, salvation for sinners. This is what hangs in the balance. And the disciples are going... Why? Because they do not have the right priorities and because they do not have spiritual self-awareness. No priorities. No spiritual self-awareness. No recognition to see what is at stake.
Can you see what is at stake? Do you understand what hangs in the balance? The eternal destiny of a person behind you or in front of you or around you may hang in the balance even this morning and just sleep on. Why do we not pray like we should? We do not have the right priorities. We do not have the right awareness. How much time this morning did you spend to praying that if someone walked in this church today and they were not a Christian, they did not know the gospel, and they were lost in their sin, that they'd hear the gospel and they'd be saved? Or was the, was the, was the priority this morning that someone better not be in my seat? Church, we must wake up. We must wake up. The world around us is lost in their sin and they have no solution. They think what will fix their problem is their own self-expression. They think what will fix their problem is their own made-up identity. They, 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 they've given up even on this. They just eat, drink, be merry, tomorrow you die, for there is no God. No, there is a God. And he has spoken. And he has sent his son Jesus into this world who's died on the cross for the sin. This is the gospel. That you do not have to be separated from God in your sin. But you can be united to God in relationship with him through Jesus. We must wake up. Why do we struggle to pray? Because we don't have the right priorities? Because we don't have the right awareness? Last thought. How does Jesus respond when we fail to pray? And Jesus gets up from this great battle, the, the battle won. The battle won. Jesus gets up from the battle. He walks back to his disciples. He finds them sleeping again. And you know what he doesn't say? He doesn't say, you good for nothing bums. He doesn't go, I knew it. You're lazy and you can't even keep yourself awake. He doesn't go, that's it. Three strikes and you're out of here. Be 
done with you disciples. That's what he says. He doesn't say, you guys are so ungrateful after everything I've done for you. He doesn't do that. What does he say? Verse 41, compassionately understanding our weaknesses, he says, sleep on now, take your rest. It is enough, the hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. And rise up and let us go. He that betrayeth me is at hand. Jesus understands our weaknesses. Jesus understands our temptations. Jesus understands the tenderness of the moment. The invitation to pray is not the only invitation that Jesus offers. Failure to pray is not the only way that we have failed Christ. The Bible says that we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We failed God because we have sinned. According to the Bible, our sin has separated us from God for all of eternity. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. We're separated from God as a result of our sin in this life. And if we die separated from God in our sin in this life, we will be separated from God for all of eternity in a place that the Bible calls hell. We failed because we have sinned. And yet, God did not leave us in our sin. God sent Christ for us. That even though we were sinners, Christ died for us. And Christ's death on the cross of which he is beginning right here in Gethsemane, in Mark 14, exactly what we just read. He is offering to you. He is inviting you into a relationship with him. Not one that's based on your religiousness, not one that's based on your morality, not one that's based on your good works, not one that's based on your civility, one instead that is based only on his shed blood on the cross. That you would turn from your sin, that you would turn from your self-righteousness, and that you would believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved, the Bible says. So for you, maybe you're in the room and you're saying, Dave, you know, this is my first time even at church. I'm not a Christian. I'm new to this stuff. I don't even, I don't even know what it means to be saved. Here's what I'm telling you this morning. The invitation from God to you is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. You can have forgiveness of sins, not because you have earned it, not because you deserve it, but because God loved you through Christ. Would you receive that invitation this morning to put your faith and your trust in Christ, in Christ alone?